Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Wednesday morning. It has been exactly a dozen hours since a press conference started in Southern California and the entire sports world stopped. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio were presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests on the Goodyear hotline throughout the course of the next four hours will take you out to Southern California. We'll have medical experts to talk about everything revolving around Tiger Woods, multiple open fractures to his right leg. Let's get to the very latest as a result of that single car crash. He had a rod placed in his tibia, screws and pins inserted into his ankle during emergency surgery. That according to Dr. Anish Mahajan of the Harbor UCLA Medical Center in Torrance, California, about nine miles or so away from the crash site. It is a trauma center, and that is part of the reason Woods was transported there. A statement saying a few hours ago that Woods is, quote, currently awake, responsive, and recovering in his hospital room. It is, of course, the biggest story in sports and has transcended sports. Want to get the fellow's opinions on it. And Jay, we'll begin with your unique first-person experience having gone through a catastrophic accident of your own where you see your dreams and your career perhaps shattered all at once. What happened when you heard about it and then your first-person exposure and experience when hearing the news? Well, my wife told me about it um, yesterday, and I literally stopped because I my first initial reaction was, is he okay? Is he okay? And I thought about Kobe Bryant. I mean, it, it's a year and a month away from when this happened with Kobe in January 26th of last year. And I was like, please, we can't have another great athlete leave this earth right now. Like, I just, I, I stopped what I was doing. And I started digging online, started trying to read articles. And obviously, as the press conference came out later that day, um, I just said, thank you that he's alive, that he's okay. Um, from firsthand perspective, when you go through something like this, uh, obviously people would like to talk about, hey, look, he has 15 majors key, and how will this translate to him getting back on the golf course? Uh, but the human side of me takes over, and it's like, hey, pro- golf is not the priority right now. Being alive and working, I mean, obviously there's a lot of work you have to do, but being able to walk again and being able to spend time with your family, it, it just puts everything in perspective, especially after the year we've just gone through. And if there was the biggest thing I walked away with yesterday is saying, I'm just glad that Tiger Woods is still here. Whatever happens past this point for him in his career is gravy. Um, but the fact that he's still here after everything he's been through in his life, uh, it just it, it made my heart full that he's still here and he's still with us and he's still with his family, first and foremost. You know, when I first heard it, I was just like, you know, okay, let me figure out, you know, where it took place, what happened. It's early in the morning. Clearly, you know, the golfers tee it off early in the morning, so either he was going to play golf or – or waking up, oh, I, you know, who else was in the vehicle? Because I'm assuming that it's Tiger Woods. He has a driver. To, you know, so I'm like, okay, what about the other people? And so as information started to trickle in and, and nobody else was involved, 
it was a single car accident. And, and so when you learn it was only Tiger, you're like, now you start to try to figure out what took place. Um, I never really, I guess by the time I got the news, I never really was worried about it becoming a, a Kobe Bryant issue because they had taken him to the hospital. And the only thing they kept saying was it was his, his leg, his leg injuries, leg injuries. So I'm like, okay. And then now at that point, I'm like, well, where the hell was he? And so when I learned that he was in Palos Verdes being from Los Angeles, and then I saw Hartham Boulevard, the first thing I said is he was coming. He was either coming from Rolling Hills golf course area or the, the, the Trump golf course out there, Hartham Boulevard. It's very uh, hilly. And when you go down Hartham Boulevard, it's a steep decline, and, and those streets are slick because of the marine layer in that particular area. And so I'm trying to play investigator of my own and piece it all together. And so as time continued to go by, you're like, man, that's a, you know, being from there, I'm saying that's a, that's a tough drive, especially if you're going at, uh, you could be going at a slow pace, but because of the steep hill, it's going to push you down. So it's a lot of curves and braking and things of that nature. And then you just learn that he was transported to the hospital there in Torrance and uh, went under emergency surgery. So you felt, uh, I felt a little bit better. A couple of notes to pass on. The accident happened at around 7, 12 a.m. Pacific time. He had a few responsibilities that day. Number one was going to a paid golf TV slash golf digest shoot, which he had on his schedule. He was also heading to Rolling Hills Country Club for a photo shoot with the fantastic NFL rookie Justin Herbert and Drew Brees. He was also giving some golf course instruction the previous day to Jada Pinkett Smith, to David Spade. He was very active. Remember, this is his tournament. He was there on Sunday mm-hmm. to hand the trophy to Max Homa, who ended up winning the tournament. So even though he couldn't play because in December he had his fifth back surgery, he was very present because since 2016, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera, oh, by the way, where Tiger made his pro debut in 1992 at the age of 16 at that very course. Remember, born in Cyprus mm-hmm. about 40 yep. minutes away. There's just so much symmetry there between what happened yesterday in the latter stages of his career and, of course, what happened at the beginning of his career. The accident happened about 20 hours ago. Among the first on the scene, Carlos Gonzalez, Los Angeles County Sheriff's Deputy. In my experience as a deputy who is traffic trained and works a traffic car, um, I have seen many collisions. The, the nature of his vehicle, the fact that he was wearing a seatbelt, um, I, I would say that it greatly increased the likelihood that it saved his life. Is this the worst accident you've seen on that stretch? I will say no because I've been doing this for a while and I've seen fatal traffic collisions. So um, I will say that it's very fortunate that Mr. Woods um, was able to uh, come out of this alive. And Key, I would just mention that in two separate occasions, yeah, generally about three people speak at the press conference, Villanueva, Osby, and then this gentleman, Carlos Gonzalez. They spoke for about a half hour in English and Spanish to the assembled media. On more than one occasion, it was brought up that if the interior of the car had suffered any level of damage, the accident could have been fatal. And the word fatal was used twice by both law enforcement officials. Again, as you were hearing, Gonzalez, I heard you sort of gesture knowing the area, the topography and the geography well. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, as he said right there, they asked him a question about is that, you know, the worst accident that he's seen? And he simply said no, because that particular area, there's just a it's very hilly and it's it's basically on both sides, two lanes. And it's and they merge into each other, so it becomes like one lane. 
And so when you think about it, if you're from the area and you kind of know the surroundings, you could certainly see how someone could either lose control or slide because of the marine layer or whatever the case may be. And, you know, we just I'm just glad that he's okay and he's with us still to this day. And like Jay said, whatever happens as far as golf goes, oh, well. I mean, that's, you know, you would love for him to resume his golf career, but he's given the golf world plenty to cheer about. Yeah. And, and Zubin, it, it's just great. Looking at the car, like, I was that that's a gut-wrenching picture. I mean, just when I saw the car, I was like, oh, my God. Like, what's and, – and Key, my mind automatically went to that place, too. Like, how did this happen? Like, you know, what led what, – what were the moments, like, leading into this? Like, did it – did the car slide? Did it lose, you know, uh, concentration for a second around the bend? Because, I mean, that car looked like it flipped over multiple times. It's down, like, at the bottom of a little hill. It's um, – not even little. I don't even know what kind of hill that is. Um, they're, just, they're, uh, they're pretty steep around yeah. around that area. It's pretty steep. L- let me just mention one thing here for a guy that's watched a lot of golf over the years. I don't think there's any question in the last several years that Tiger is more interested in being a dominant dad than a dominant golfer. And let me just put this to you real quick. When Tiger won his first major, the 1997 Masters, won it by 12 strokes, changed the face literally and figuratively, the complexion of golf. There to meet him on the 18th green was his father, Earl Woods. Earl taught him the game, put him on the Mike Douglas show at the age of two. They shared an amazing embrace with his mother, Tita. Earl Woods then passed away. Tiger's last great moment on the tour came at the 2019 Masters, where his father had passed away. But the father on the course that day wasn't Earl. It was Tiger. When Tiger won the Masters, his children, Sam and Charlie, who are now 13 and 12, came up and embraced him. And his mother, Tita, who had been out of public life and had not been seen for years, was there. And Tiger said at that moment, all my kids had heard, I used to be good. I used to be this. You should have seen their dad. He just said having that moment in 2019 with his kids as a father, after what his father meant to him on that very same green more than two decades ago, brought it all full circle. So if Tiger Woods never takes another competitive swing on the PGA Tour, to have that moment with his children in December, to be playing with his son together in a tournament with his wide smile there is something for a father and a phenom. And if it never happens again, he'll always have those two incredible moments to share for Tiger Woods. Much more throughout the morning on Tiger Woods, his condition, and potentially comes next. On the way next, the Steelers, two-time Super Bowl champion, first ballot Hall of Famer, says, I want to come back. But as odd as it sounds, does that make the Steelers any better? We'll discuss that next. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, ESPN Radio, and the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. So what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go visit your parents, hang out with friends and catch a movie. They're all solid options, but what about devoting time to yourself? Maybe taking up a personal hobby you've put off with everything in your life that you handle. 
work, picking the kids up from school, running errands. You never really get enough me time. The best way to squeeze that time into your schedule is to first understand your own personal value and then make yourself a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Prioritizing mental health is an important part of my life. Let BetterHelp empower you to be the best version of yourself and guide you along the journey of becoming a better you. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Trust me, it's been happening for 42 years. We should mention that by any name, Chase Claypool or any other, he did catch 62 balls last year, most of them coming off the rocket arm of Ben Roethlisberger. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance, all of our guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Yesterday, reputable reporting saying that Big Ben went all the way to the top key, met with the Steelers president, Art Rooney. And essentially, I think this was obvious. He can't come back at his current cap hit of $41.25 million, which would be the single season largest cap hit for any player ever in the NFL. He said he's willing to take a pay cut in January. He essentially said, a little hyperbolic, I would play for free. I just want to play. Roethlisberger's agent weighed in and essentially said the conversation went well enough where he believes Big Ben will be back. But the question remains, under what auspices, what scenario will he be back? And... Is it a good thing that he'll be back? We mentioned before the break, two-time Super Bowl winner entering his 18th season. Who wouldn't want that sort of moxie and experience on your team? But is it too little, too late to salvage Ben and the relationship? I don't think think it's too late. I think what they are doing in Pittsburgh is just trying to figure out all their options, like what's available to us before we make a decision on what we want to do with Big Ben. We've already gotten him to the point where – He's willing to take a pay cut, and if he's willing to take a pay cut, how significant? The cap charge is at $40-plus million, but the cap is not real cash. It's the real money that they got to pay him that's more concerning for them than it is the cap number. And once they do one, it affects the other. It'll bring the cap down. Once they say, hey, you know, are you willing to pay for $8 million? Now that cap number is going to drop because the restructure is put in play. Um can they move forward with him at quarterback? Yeah, I think they can. They were 11-2 and two at once upon a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a part of that. Uh, is there other options out there? As we continue to go through this so-called quarterback carousel, I don't know that there are better options exactly. out there for Pittsburgh right now today. I just don't – I don't see it, right? You're Matt Ryan's and – and Deshaun Watson's, those are dreams. You're not getting Aaron Rodgers. You know, are the Raiders going to part ways with their quarterbacks? You just don't know. Look at the field of guys. Jay, would you rather have Big Ben or Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, we could play the game back and forward, but there's not a lot of options that are out there for the Steelers at this moment. Like you said, Key, if if you could move on for Deshaun Watson or Matt Ryan, I understand. You do that. If you could, 
if you didn't get, I mean, because the demand is high on those two guys. So what do you have to give up in order to get those two guys? You have to give up the whole house pretty much. So look, you bring Big Ben back, let him have a farewell season. And, and Key, I, I think this is a chance for the Steelers as, as much as it, they weren't defeated before they went on this really bad run. Uh, lack of running game, their defense was depleted. You give it one more try and you let Big Ben have his farewell season. Uh, for a guy who's been to the Super Bowl three times, who's won two, you, you treat one of the best quarterbacks in the history of your franchise the right way on the way out. Now, if Big Ben wants to go another two years or three years, then I think you have to face that. But as it relates to one more year, allow Big Ben, one of the best quarterbacks in your franchise history, to be there for one more year and let him have one, one last stab at it. Yeah, why, why not have, you know, when you, when you start to try to figure out some of the other things that you need to do on the offensive side of the ball. You got to retool the running game and ensure up the offensive line. You got to figure out whether or not Juju Smith-Schuster is in your plans in the future, given the fact that Johnson and Claypool are young enough along with Washington that the receiving core potentially could be set. You got the tight end situation taken care of. The defensive side with Bud Dupree uh, and, and Devin Bush, can you get them back in the fold? You got uh, Mikas Fitzpatrick on the defensive side. Can you sure up maybe looking at another corner uh, as Joe Hayden continues to get older at that spot? So there's some play around certain guys on the team that you want to try to address, but at the same time, you got to find a quarterback, and the only quarterback available to you right now is Big Ben at a certain number. Now, here's – go ahead, Jay. I was going to ask you this, Key. If Big Ben plays well this year and then he wants to come back next year for another year, how, how much longer of a runway does Big Ben have? I guess well, that's the – What's playing well, though, right? I mean, playing well, going back. Wins, means winning a Super Bowl this year, right? Well, it, yeah, at, Super that Bowl point, us, right? yeah. at that point, though, you might want to – if he goes and wins the Super Bowl, then it's time for Ben to retire. It's almost like the John Elway situation. Uh, the great John Elway at the end of – or Peyton Manning at the end of their careers, they could still play, but, right, it wasn't John Elway in, in 1998 when he retired – it was like he could still do it, mm -hmm. but he's like not Elway. So he went out on a high note. He wins the Super Bowl against the Atlanta Falcons. Now it's time to hang him up. And that what I could see envision with Big Ben. Yeah, and you also have to think about his two contemporaries from that draft class. It's already over for Eli. It just ended for Phillip Rivers. Here's one thing I want to bring to the table that is going to be really important with Big Ben to think about. What do you think about Mason Rudolph? Now, your visceral initial knee-jerk reaction is like, no thanks, you we'll go me? somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, right. You Not see it. me shaking my head, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> a couple things, couple things to keep in mind. He did play in the Week 17 game against Cleveland, and as we know, that game meant everything to the Browns. We also know sometimes one-game auditions can do enough to boost you a little bit. Often has been lost that in that Week 17 game against Pittsburgh that Cleveland really needed, and I keep emphasizing that because it was an opponent that was very, very hungry. Rudolph threw for 315 yards in the game. I'm not saying that. That's why you sign him. I'm just saying he finally had shown some signs of life. Also, keep in mind the Steelers are the 24th pick in the draft. You can get a guy right around 24, 25. I believe number 12 for Green Bay can show you right around that spot. You can get a guy. But what's interesting for the Steelers is their last seven first-round draft picks, last seven, because Big Ben had given them so much great play and durability at the quarterback position when he was out there. I know he was banged up, but he's one of the toughest guys. The last seven first-round picks – 
all defensive, mm-hmm. including five linebackers. So that's one thing you got to keep in mind. His longevity has allowed them to shore up the other side of the ball to the extent where we can take our most important draft pick almost every single year on the defensive side of the ball because he has provided enough on offense. Now, after nearly two decades and entering his 18th season, now maybe they have to look at that first-round pick at 24 and say, we need to go offense. Maybe a quarterback is there at the bottom of the first round. We will see. On the way, the Steelers have one option at quarterback, as the fellows have said, and it could be for just one more year. While another dynastic franchise has seemingly every option available to them. They need a quarterback. Let's be honest. They need a quarterback. I think the biggest question is how they go about getting that quarterback. They're going to be in on all of these discussions. And what's going to be fascinating is how when one domino falls, what does that mean for the other? More from Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin next. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance. So that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to PrizePicks.com/morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. That's PrizePicks.com/morning, code morning for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize Picks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. Good morning. I'm Zubin Mahenti here with your Sports Center update. Right off the jump, let's get you updated on the very latest with Tiger Woods. The single car crash, multiple open fractures to his right leg. A rod was placed in his tibia. Screws and pins inserted into his ankle during emergency surgery. That all according to Dr. Anish Mahajan of the Harvard UCLA Medical Center in Torrance, California, which is about nine miles or so, less than 10 away from the crash site. A statement saying, quote, Tiger is currently awake, responsive, and recovering in his hospital room. We will talk to Michael Collins, who knows the tour inside and out, former caddy, great relationships with players on the tour, on how the golf world is reacting. That's coming up in 14 minutes. I'm sure you won't be reacting strangely if I told you Luka Doncic was money again last night as the Celtics, Jay, continue to struggle. Doncic, Jay, hit a go-ahead shot with 15 seconds to go and then a game winner with seven-tenths of a second to go. The future of the game is in great hands. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Luka Doncic. Key, there's your face of the NBA in the future, my man. Key speaking volumes with his silence. (laughs) Sometimes you can say so much by saying so little. 
Black History Always. Today we honor Kamaro Usman. In March of 2019, back at UFC 235, Usman became the first African champion in the UFC. He's known as the Nigerian Nightmare, though someone else also had that nickname, as he might recall. He was born in Nigeria, but left for Arlington, Texas as a young child when his family made its way to the United States. He's currently number four in the UFC's pound-for-pound rankings, but some people will tell you he is the baddest dude walking the planet that's ever stepped into an octagon, at least at this very moment. A dominant performer. Sports Center brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Tune out the nonsense. Tune into Straight Talk, offering the Samsung Galaxy A51 for $199 and $45 unlimited talk, text, and data plans. No contract on America's best networks. That's the question surrounding the Pats. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. So you just heard some of our NFL insiders there. Mike Reese, who covers the Pats, The Athletic, the website reporting yesterday that the Patriots are overturning every rock looking for a quarterback. But, Key, when we discussed this story yesterday, you have a great relationship with Bill Belichick, and you had sort of indicated that because the Patriots do their business in one specific way, the idea that it would be out there, that the Pats are looking at anyone and everyone, while it may be true and we're not negating the reporting, it just isn't something the Pats generally do or like to put out there? No, they don't They don't like to put anything out uh, unless they're going left and you're going right. <laughs> and that's, that's kind of what it is. When you start to talk about they're going to go after every available quarterback, they're reaching out to every available quarterback, it's kind of like, well, I mean, look, it may be true. It may not be true. I'm, you report the way you report. I just – Having known Bill Belichick and some of the inner workings of how he does things is just a little mind-boggling that he would take such a hard turn all of a sudden because, what, Tom Brady won a Super Bowl, so now I have to combat that even though I've gone to nine Super Bowls and won six? I mean, it's like, I I don't know. I think that they are in a situation that, they're going to look at the quarterbacks that best suit them, whether it's the draft or whether it's through free agency or a trade. It has to be the right guy that is going to help them win sooner rather than later. I don't think Bill Belichick's looking for a quarterback that that could come along six years from now and help the franchise. He's looking for somebody who could help them. But they got so many other issues, as he's alluded to, Jay, throughout the course of the season – talking about the salary cap and when people was like, oh, he's just making excuses. It's true. Their salary cap, they were in salary cap hell because they mortgaged off the future at the time for the present, which was to win those six championships and go to nine different Super Bowls. And then when you get, you have to come and pay in the end, that is what happened. That is one of the main reasons Tom Brady decided, yeah, I'm going I'm to take my services elsewhere. It's not just, about him and Bill not seeing eye to eye or him not being able to have input on calling plays, he looked at the talent around him and said, nah, uh-uh, no, I'm trying to win and have fun at the same time. Key, key, key. I am starting to become a believer in what you say. Cam Newton would be, will be the quarterback of the Patriots next year, but it seems like it will be by default because the demand is greater than the supply right now in the market. I mean, look at – and you, you read all these articles about, yeah, they were involved in, you know, talks with Matthew Stafford just to kind of understand, you know, what the trade assets, the collateral was. Yes, they were looking at potentially Carson Wentz and what, but all the, the, the assets that these are going for, you know, and the amount of picks, it just seems like the price is too high. So if you're Bill Belichick, you just can be patient, stay disciplined, wait, 
And if you're able to push a guy like, hey, Jimmy G, depending upon what San Francisco wants, if it gets down towards the end and you can make the deal work for you and what's in the best long-term interest of your organization by not giving up too much, okay, or a Marcus Mariota or something like that. But if you don't, you got Cam Newton who's right there and to all the things that you said yesterday about dealing with COVID, learning the playbook, doing everything on the fly, it seems like that makes the most reasonable sense moving forward if you can't extract the value you want from getting a trade. Think about think about this though, Jay. You, you mentioned you mentioned that the Patriots had some sort of conversations. We don't know it to what level about Matthew Stafford. There also were reports out there that they would have given up a second round pick for Matthew Stafford. Think about that. Uh, they decided, like anything that you do, right? When you you've gone places, J and Z, and decided, yeah, I think I, I might buy that watch. Let me see what they want. I'll, I'll give you a hundred. They like, well, no, we're not going to say it's okay. You never, never mind. I didn't really want it anyway. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what Bill probably was doing with Matthew Stafford. It's like, well, we'll give you a second round pick. If you just want to dump him, we'll see what he has left in the tank. We'll give you a two. You could take it or leave it. And the Rams went out and did what they did because Bill wasn't that serious in grabbing Matthew Stafford. Because exactly. if he was, he wouldn't have let it walk out the door. Exactly. And you got a guy like Cam who's there who you know you can use as a safety blanket at the end of the day, Key. So it has to be the right deal. Indeed. And I think one thing that both of you said that just needs to be repeated because people have so much given up on Cam Newton is the fact that if you give him a quote-unquote regular opportunity to win the job, which is to say, again, he was signed in June, he became official in July, didn't have OTAs, didn't have minicamp, didn't have the preseason, had a short training camp, battled COVID on the other side of the ball. They didn't have Donta Hightower. They had the highest amount of guys in the NFL that were displaced because of COVID. If you're telling me all of those things can be rectified and Cam is 31 and he'll be under the tutelage of the best coach in the history of the NFL, every single thing I just said will be flipped on its ear. Belichick's still a genius. Cam motivated like never before. I don't think a take two on this is that much of a risk at all. I, I laugh, Zug, and I chuckle because if you remember back when they signed Cam, first thing everybody was saying, oh, he's going to fight for his life with Jared Stenham and, and, uh, <laughs> and whoever the other guy. Brian Hoyer, right? Brian Hoyer. Jared Stenham and Brian, they're going to be in a quarterback competition. What did I say, Jay? <laughs> yeah, quarterback competition. That's really that's going to go over really well. Yeah, uh-huh. How'd that work out? Quarterback competition. It, it's, it's easy to see. Like – if they sign Cam back, it's because they saw the same things that people that know football saw in a bad season, which is this young man has gone through a lot. We don't have a lot around him. If, in fact, we can do the things that we want to do with him, he will become better. Did he miss some throws? Absolutely. Did he look horrible at times throwing the ball? Absolutely. But I also saw moments where it's like, damn. That's Cam? Yeah. Man, he's still good. And so when you look at it, I can pick holes in everybody's game. I can talk about how bad Drew Brees looked at times during the season where he played against the Las Vegas Raiders and almost said Oakland. He played against the Las Vegas Raiders, and you was like, Drew Brees need to retire. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, it's like, give him an extension. 
So you go back and forward with these things. Also, I would mention, think about this. I hate being the woulda, coulda, shoulda guy. You know me, I'm the stats guy. If it happened, it happened. If it didn't, it did it. I hate to be the woulda, coulda, shoulda guy. But just consider this for a second. They were a 79 football team. They were stopped on the goal line on Sunday night football in September in Seattle. You give him that win, again, woulda, coulda, shoulda, you're an 8-8 eight and eight team. Then he had the unfortunate fumble against Buffalo. Yes, exactly. Right? You give him that win, woulda, coulda, shoulda, then you're 9-7. and seven. The reason I say that is you're 7-9, and nine, but those two wins would have gone against teams that had serious Super Bowl aspirations. I mean, the Bills made it to the brink of the Super Bowl, and Seattle is always a competitive team year in and year out. Man. You give him those two games, you're 9-7, and seven, and you're in the playoffs. Probably Andrew, you're if, in you the have, if you have the 15th draft pick, maybe you take a guy if, like Mac Jones, who is more of a traditional quarterback at Bill Belichick, thinks that there's potential there, and you groom him. I mean, they, look, you, you can go about this in a variety of ways, but I think Bill Belichick staying disciplined is the most important aspect of it. it, it you go. I mean, you could pick a couple games here and there, right? I mean, that if if woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, you look at the Kansas City game. As bad as they right. were playing, Kansas City. Uh, I mean, they were right there. But they were there with backups. And that was the midst of the COVID And that was the, the midst of the COVID yeah. the situation, the craziness. So it's like all of these sort of things, they could have been a 9-7 and seven football team, potentially a 10-6 and six football team with nothing. Let me ask you guys this. We're going to go to Michael Collins and talk Tiger here in four minutes for those of you just waking up here on the East Coast, getting home on the West Coast, whatever it may be. We've got the latest on his condition and how the tour is reacting in four minutes. Jay mentioned the 15th overall pick for the Pats. It's the highest draft pick New England has had since 2008 when you know who uh, got injured. By the way, if you want to note who they drafted that year, uh, that high in 2008, Gerard Mayo, who's now their defensive coordinator. That was a great pick. But uh, to Jay's point, look, they could go with Mac Jones. They could go with somebody else. But history is Shown. Key, I want to ask you this, and obviously Jay as well. Um, Bill just doesn't draft first-round quarterbacks. It's just been shown. Jimmy was a second-round pick. Stidham was in the fourth. Obviously, Brady was in the sixth. I think we know that. But um, what do you think about the fact that this is a QB-heavy draft? They had the capital to move up. They're only halfway through the first round. And as Jay said, they eventually need to find their signal caller somewhere. Maybe it's in the draft. It's a movie hasn't made, but is it a movie should? I, I don't think so because what's always worked for him his entire career, even as an assistant coach, being on teams with veteran quarterbacks that can get the job done. Mm-hmm. Um, they hit pay dirt, obviously, on Tom Brady. That was just like, I don't know what, you know, I don't even know what to call yeah, it. That's just the outlier of all outliers. Uh, exactly. And, and if, if it wasn't for Mo Lewis, <laughs> we may never hear of Tom Brady. That's, that's how this also. league goes. That's also mm-hmm. true. He knocks Drew Bledsoe out, Tom Brady comes, the rest is history. If, Tom, if Drew Bledsoe plays healthy the entire season, do they draft another quarterback in the third round or something like that who's in a backup battle with Tom Brady? And does he win that backup battle because he was drafted higher than Tom Brady? So you got all these different scenarios that go into play in the National Football League. You, you look at whether he was with the Giants as a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. They didn't draft quarterbacks in the yeah. first round but yeah. under Bill Parcells. Yeah. You think about New England. Yeah, they took Drew Bledsoe with the number one overall pick because they needed a quarterback in the worst way and Bill was going to be the head coach forever. When you think about what he's done in New England, he didn't draft Jacoby Brissett in the first round. He didn't take Jimmy Garoppolo in the first round. He didn't go and get others. You know, Matt Castle was, uh, was another fine for him that was like, oh, I found a guy who's going to play a long time in this league. Why, why do I need to go out and draft a quarterback in the first round? How many first-round quarterbacks have hit in the National Football League, especially in recent 
memory. I mean, obviously you could point to the young guys now, right. but over a long haul, that number is very slim. Mm-hmm. You get more production uh, later on, it seems like, it, with guys in the National Football League because this league is made up of third, fourth, fifth round guys. Those first and second round guys, yeah, they're stars, but the league is not made up of that. Yeah, I just never took Bill Belichick to be a guy that would mortgage the whole house, right? He's going to get the best bang for his buck. It will be interesting to see as we come down to the wire if, you know, teams aren't getting the offers that they're trying to vet, that they're trying to filter. Um, If the market softens up, if there's an opportunity for a guy like Bill Belichick to make a quick deal, to get a grab at a great discount, because people are then going to try to scurry to get out of the positions that they've been holding for a long time. It, think think about it, though, uh, Jay. Russell Wilson, yep, third, third round. Yeah. You, look at, you look at Aaron Rodgers in the late first round. Dak, fourth round. Dak, fourth round. I mean, you can just go on and on and on of a list of quarterbacks that are successful mm-hmm. in the National Football League that you don't have to grab him. In the first round. And the last thing I would say to that very instructive point is if Bill said, look, we sold out to get those Super Bowls, as he famously said last year, and it put us in a little bit of a bind with the cap. To Key's point, if you grab a third-round guy or a fourth-round guy, as Dak has found out a little bit the hard way, you have him under team control. And then you can build the team around yourself because you're not paying out the you-know-what for a first-round guy. You're paying for about four years at fourth-round money. It allows you to enhance the team and get back to where you want to be. Two of the most successful quarterbacks in, in recent history in the National Football League league both went in the later rounds Drew Brees in the second round Russell Wilson in the third round I mean you don't it just there's this narrative that's set out there that you got to grab a guy oh you got to grab this guy in the first round you got no you got to do your scouting and you've got you got a guy in Jalen Hurst in the second round just ran off Carson Wentz that they took at the second pick in the draft so when you start to look at certain things you go okay it, it you know yeah okay you 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 start to look at Miami in Tua taking high in the first round. Well, a lot of people would say if they stayed with Fitz Magic, the Miami Dolphins could have been in the playoffs with a guy that is like a dinosaur. Indeed. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. We'll continue the NFL conversation throughout the morning. We've already touched on what the Steelers and Pats are going to do at quarterback. For about 20 years, we never needed to ask that question. More NFL Wait, Zubin, talk. did Key just give Howie Roseman uh, uh, an applaud on Jalen Hurts in the draft, second round? Okay. Good value. All right. Good value. Yeah, I mean, All right. it's, it's All right. good value. We don't know what it is. It's just that they found a quarterback that they feel good about that they drafted in the second round. Yeah. Indeed. Good value and good wishes are best to Tiger Woods. If you're watching on television this morning, some powerful images of that familiar Sunday red for Tiger Woods with the question, how many more Sundays or any days are we going to see on the PGA Tour? For more on that, I want to bring in Michael Collins, ESPN golf analyst, former caddy who has strong relationships with many players and caddies and PGA Tour personnel. The tour this week, WGC in Bradenton, Florida. They're getting ready for their next event coming up tomorrow. Michael, from that wide swath of people that you know, converse with, consider friends, what is the reaction in and around the golf world that you have heard to this Tiger Woods accident? Well, 
honestly, Zubin, the, the biggest right now has been relief. Um, I know when those reports first came out and the pictures of what that SUV looked like, everyone had a very bad sinking feeling in their stomach. Um, and I think Tony Finau uh, expressed that, knowing that it was just a little over a year ago um, that we lost Kobe Bryant. So um, when you hear a serious accident, major damage, words like that um, make everyone really nervous and kind of hold their collective breath, especially um, when you hear the name Tiger Woods. So I think right now everyone feels a a sense of relief that this is not a life-threatening situation and – you know, watching earlier, like Key I, I, and 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 Jay Will, I, I completely agree with what you said, and, and we were saying that yesterday when we found out it wasn't life threatening. Was, you know, when it comes down to it, there are some things when they happen, you realize that the sport that an individual plays and the job that they do for a living doesn't really matter. What matters is life and family, and that's what's important, and and that's pretty much been the reaction from everybody out there that you go, yeah, golf is, is great. And what tiger means to the game and what he means to the world is, is fantastic and impactful, but life is more important and family and being around for your family is, is more important. And that's where everyone's hopes, prayers and wishes went. Yeah, that is absolutely correct. Michael, let me ask you this because having, covered golf as many years as you have and I've been to the Genesis tournament and other tournaments as well um can you tell us is this something Tiger driving on his own because first thoughts for me was was his was did he have a driver who was driving with him and then I learned later on that he was driving by himself is this something at tournaments that Tiger traditionally would do would take vehicles and drive by himself opposed to having a driver? Yeah. I mean, the only times that someone else would be driving is, is it would be Joe, his caddy on occasion would drive sometimes if they weren't staying in the same place. Uh, and Steve, when Steve Williams was caddy informed that that would be the case as well, where if they weren't necessarily staying in the same house together, um, Steve or Joey would, would, maybe have the courtesy car and then go pick Tiger up. Um, and and they would drive to the course together. But uh, in a situation like this where Tiger wasn't playing in the tournament and was just doing um, some things outside of the tournament, then that was very common. And even now when, you know, when Tiger, like when he won the Masters in 2019, we, on Friday, walked out to the parking lot with him and he was the one – that got in the car and was and was driving and and was going away. So that it was normal in a situation like this for what Tiger was doing and where he was going uh, to do that filming. It was normal for him to be on his own and driving himself. MC, he had a rod placed in his tibia. He shattered his ankle. Um, there's a tendency to compensate uh, coming off an injury like this. Already coming off a back surgery. And I know this is difficult to ask but or to answer, 
But is this the last we're going to see of Tiger Woods playing competitive golf, you think? You know, it's, I'm never going to say never when it comes to Tiger Woods. But it, the fourth microdisectomy that he had was with the back procedure. He had one major back procedure and then four microdisectomies. And this was the fourth one of those. Um, and if you remember, he had the interview uh, with Jim Nance on Sunday where he was saying he just hoped that he was going to be able to come back and play in the Masters and that he hadn't had an MRI. And so uh, we know he was filming and what he was filming. The only thing, I guess, that he was doing was hitting a couple of putts that he didn't hit any golf shots up there uh, and was talking about waiting for that MRI to come back before he would be cleared to do anything he sounded somewhat hopeful um but again he was also reserved which normally tiger woods you know when he talks about gonna be getting back out there um other than that one time at the hero when he was very dark and in a bad place um he's pretty optimistic and that being said as as in great of shape as tiger is for the rest of his body and as mentally tough as he is, if he made up his mind that he wanted to come back and play golf again, I don't know one person in my business that would say, yeah, no, nah, he can't do that. It's Tiger Woods, and we have seen him do some all but superhuman things before. So to say that that Tiger will never play competitive golf again, I think would not be a true statement because it's Tiger Woods. It's so well said, Michael, just a reminder that he'll always have December, December to remind him of that fifth back surgery, but December to also be out there with Charlie. And if that's the last memory we have of him, I know the masters in 2019, the 15 majors, but father and son, if it's there, it's quite a way to remember the greatest they may have ever swung a club. That's our Michael Collins. More NFL talk at the top of the hour. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.